blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. Go right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7 as spring practice is underway. Now, we're in the boring part right now, which is the T-shirts and shorts practices, or excuse me, the jersey tops and shorts practices with just helmets. They'll get a few workouts in before spring break, go on spring break, and then, guys, it'll be padded practices all the way to the spring game after this on April 13th. So, it got here fast. I got a feeling it's going to go by fast, and we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, actually, we'll a little bit. We'll spend today's show talking about spring practice. Uh, I am Jeff Howe, a little under the weather, but what the heck? Let's go ahead and Powering get it done it. anyway. Power through. Uh, let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, how are you, sir? Doing pretty well. Good. And uh, our the third member of our team. He is the Renaissance Man here on Longhorn Blitz. The Renaissance Man at 104.9 Horn, where you hear him each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. When the T-ring gets in, he will wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, dare I say, a black card member of DBU. Number 21 in your program. Number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And Rod, intro, brother. I know uh, you're a busy man. You don't have a lot of time to get down to the 40, as much time yeah. as you'd like. Exactly. But good reason for you to get back to the 40 now, as Tom Herman said, following the first spring practice on Monday, Nathan Vasher's back in the family. Yeah, Nathan he is Vasher. A Volunteer coach, nasty Nate, nasty Nate. I love. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah. Congrats. We, we had uh, last time I saw Nate, we were talking about him getting back to Texas because he was living up in Chicago, and I think his family still is up there, like his actual family, um, his kids and his wife. But I know he wanted to get back. He was just kind of looking for a reason to get back. So I know he's a volunteer coach now, but hopefully, uh, at least I know that he's trying to turn that into something a little bit more, whether it be at the high school level. Or, you know, starting off at the college level. I know he's trying to make the move back to Texas. Why wouldn't he? He gets more love here. I know he's done a lot up there, but, you know, with the Bears and being a great player. But here on the 40 Acres and even in the state of Texas, he'll get more love here than he'll get up there. Yeah, I like the fact that he's going back there because the last time we talked to him on the show, he was immediately talking about how Bianco needs to fix the record books because he doesn't have an interception that he was credited at one point. <laughs> oh, that so gives now, him the record? Exactly. So now Nate is actually <laughs> is inside, so I would like to follow up and see if he ever spoke with Bianco about that. Would that one interception give him the record, or was that 
He was saying now would give him would they give him eight would they give him eighteen would they give him he was saying the that record? he was discredited one and uh, then we okay. went to go find out if it was in a bowl game because at one time right. there was bowl game stats that weren't involved. It could but be because I have because, I have went back and looked at stats in games that I played in the yeah, stats are wrong exactly. You know what I mean? Like somebody like, just said no. somebody just marked it wrong, marked the fumble recovery wrong, or something like that with the right. wrong guy. It happens all the time. Right. CB, it go does. listen to our last yeah. year interview. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody, I'll will, go back. I literally through it. My man CB will. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's on the vast. I'll go listen no, back no, and no, find out exactly. It. It's pretty I'm, gl- I'm glad he's back in town. I'm sure he's got a great personnel. You know he knows football. So uh, somebody's going to be smart enough to, if Texas won't do it, and Texas probably is smart enough to do it, they're going to bring him on their staff as a, you know, some type of role, whatever. Yeah, work him in somewhere. Somewhere, just Quality some type control of control. <laughs> whatever you can do. Put him in the recruiting department. Make him watch. Fi- I don't know. You know I, in whatever. some capacity. I assume this is the beginning of that. But if it's not with Texas, it'll be with somebody, and it's probably be Texas helping him get that role somewhere else mm-hmm. if they can't give it to him on the forty acres. Right. Yeah. So a guy. So who, good for him. Uh, you know, from the state of Texas, played at Texas <laughs> High under uh, the legendary Barry Norton, and then. Uh, was an All-American. I, Rod, I think – I don't want – I know we got a lot to talk about today, but I, I think it, it gets lost on people because we are a pretty good ways removed from his career. Yeah. I think it just gets, it gets lost how, good, how good Nathan Vasher was. They do. People forget how good he is. I mean, I, I got him on my Mount Rushmore. When I had him on my Mount Rushmore years ago, people were like, eh, I don't know about that. I'm like, man, y'all just don't remember how good he was. No, but, I, don't, I mean, since he was an All-American at cornerback and at safety – and he was that good. And a return man. And See, a return man. Yeah, I mean, he, he was him and Ramones were in their own class of players. Like he, there was sort of an offensive and defensive play, not on specific skill set, but just as if they looked the most unique on the field because of the way they moved, how quickly they could move, and then how fast. Like they had about as quick twitch of skills on both sides of the ball of any other player during the Mac era. Yeah, I don't think um, I think in this day and age, I think even Nathan Vash will be more be valued even more. Yeah, right. A guy like his skill set. <laughs> and Ramones. It was all and Ramones too. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it was like, yeah, like he was kind of before his time there in terms of his multiplicity in his skill set. He was he, I think he's. I still think he's the greatest punt returner in Texas football history. A lot of people yeah. will disagree with that oh, too. I agree. He was. I know he was Shipley's the Texas in there Dion. and Eric Metcalf's in there, but that dude was a. Freak, he had flashes man. of prime time. Like he yeah. literally, when he had the ball in his hands, you thought he might house it every single every time. single time. And that's the one thing. Like when you make your peers look insignificant, like compared to you, you were on your own playing field, and that that's a really elite thing to be able to say on those mid two thousand and early two thousand teams. Holds upon return records, but I think he's up there. Rod, I don't know if you've gone through and like ranked the guys you played with in the secondary because you played with you know Quentin Jammer and you played with Michael Huff and Cedric Griffin and guys that were yeah you know Thorpe Award winners and first round draft picks and All Americans. Was Nathan Vasher probably the best, most talented um, teammate you ever played with in the secondary? Oh man, Huff Daddy's probably Huff Daddy's probably at the top. Man, yeah. See all those guys though, all those guys played safety and corner. Think about that. Right. You know what I mean? Like Quentin Jammer started out as a safety, but he was big, so they moved in the corner. Uh Huff Daddy was basically a corner they decided to put at safety because they wanted him to be a, a guy that could move down and cover the slot and also play nickel for you. And then Nathan Vasher also Played nickel, played air, both safeties. I mean, played corner. I mean, you know, what I mean? like that. Those three guys to me were. I don't think I've ever played with even at the NFL level, man. It's. I don't know if I played with more talented guys in the secondary than those three. I got. I mean, well, I take that back because I was on the Denver Broncos with Champ Bailey, and yeah, Champ Bailey was pretty damn. Yeah, yeah. Vasher. Yeah. When you type in Vasher, yeah. 
If you search Vasher in the individual records for special teams, he has 18 on the page. So, like, he's right? multi- he's career leader in return yards and in season leader. Yards? And this is, yeah. Is that punt return yards? Punt return. Okay. He's career- That's what I thought. I thought, I'm telling you, he's a, people like Eric Metcalf. I'm like, man, he was better than Eric Metcalf, and I love Eric Metcalf, but Vasher was, Nasty Nate was better as a punt returner. You don't appreciate how cold he was, man. I agree. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I'm trying to think now. You got me thinking about the NFL and guys I played with in the league who were really, really good. Did you play? You corners. spent time in Tampa with Rondé Barber. I spent, yeah, Rondé Barber's up there. Yeah, no, you're right. I guess uh, in in the league, I can't say that they're definitely in the top uh, five to seven guys I played with overall in my career. Don't know if I played with that many great secondary guys, but you're right. Rondé Barber was in that conversation. Chan Bailey, of course, is a Hall of Famer. Or will be a Hall of Famer in, in Chicago. In Chicago, in Chicago there Cedric with, Tillman. Yeah. Yeah, he was up there. The old Peanut Tillman. Peanut Tillman's yeah. in that conversation in Chicago. Yeah, there you go. Oddly, when you look at the kicker. But I still don't know if they, those guys were as versatile. Right. Chet yeah. Bailey was. But I don't know. And, you know, Rundae Barber, I think Rundae Barber probably got some snaps at safety too and probably could have played safety. Mm-hmm. But honestly, man. You go back to his college days, Chet Bailey Hull. played wide receiver. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And but Quinn James, the versatility was something that I always marveled at because I didn't have that kind of versatility. That uh, that's something you need to do, Rod. Your personal DB rankings of, of the guys you played guys with. guys that actually uh, played with, like a top ten yeah. or a top five or whatever. That would be pretty good. That's some, that's some good. We're we're getting we're we're not that far away from those dead days in the off season where it's not a bad lists list. like that will work. So it's not I, a bad I think list. you should you should come up with that. that. Appreciate that creative um, content. And then any list you can come up where you can put Rex Grossman and Joey Harrington on it. I'll uh, I'll put my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> quarterbacks. I did not play with great quarterbacks. You did not. Hey, you got out before I didn't get to play with great quarterbacks, there. man. Think about it. yeah, that's that's one of the things that was bad about my career. Who would have been your Giants quarterback? Playoff with playoff team. When you were with the Giants, who would that have been? Kerry Collins. Yeah, it was uh, Kerry Collins Kurt back Warner then. Man. Remember, we had uh oh man, what is his name? I can't, I forget his name now. Jesse Palmer, uh, yeah. the Bachelor. Jesse Palmer was there. Yeah, that's you know when I mean? he leaves Sims yeah. to go to call from college yeah. to the pros, and then the real Bachelor. Yeah, yeah, Mike, yeah, Mike like McMahon in Detroit. Yeah, he was he was pretty good actually. He was he was a damn good quarterback. <laughs> yeah. And Joey Harrington. Yeah, I never I never was around elite quarterbacks. Uh, that, was, that, was probably that probably why, coincides why you were on bad teams. I was it wasn't your fault. I mean, that's very simple. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to talk DBs when we start the spring football discussion, but let's lead into it with this. Brett McMurphy posted some win totals, um, and you know, based on the, the work memo I got, I don't believe I'm allowed to announce where these win totals came from, but nevertheless, we'll look <laughs> at them anyway. Texas guy, and you can look down at some of them. It's always fun to look at win totals like Alabama's at eleven. Uh, you know, let's see, just see some other ones. Clemson at eleven. Are Georgia, they from the uh, bet on Georgia ten and a half? Those are your words, not mine. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> those are your words, not mine. LSU at nine, Michigan nine and a half. So there's, you can go to Brett McMurphy's Twitter. Has some, I guess it's the top tier programs. Got listed. Texas guys at nine and a half, nine and a half win total being thrown out for Texas. So my question to you guys is, Matt Rod, if I gave you five thousand dollars and said go to Easy. Vegas, put it on an over Easy. or the Easy. under, Easy. where are you going right now over. as we sit here on March twelfth, over two thousand nineteen? You're going with over. the over, Rod? Man, that's so easy. That's easy money. That's easy money. I'm sorry, it's easy money. Is it? It's easy money, man. It's okay. easy money. Matt, even, if, even if you take into account losses early on in the year, which I think because something in the DNA of the Tom Herman teams early on here, they have losses early on in the season, throw in one of them, throw in an OU loss, I still think you'll get the 10. 
Yeah, those Matt, are my two losses. Matt, you going you going over or under? I'm looking I'm at the road at 10, games. I'm going over. That's I'm with you, Matt. Road schedule has me concerned. Well, just because you don't normally start off against season against an SEC team and playing a team like LSU, so like that's, that's why I say to, I'll throw in maybe that's a loss. Okay, so that NOU one of those is a loss, and then you okay. have road games at West Virginia and who mm-hmm. exactly? And, yeah, and, and, here you go, Baylor. Baylor, come on, man. No, I mean, I mean that's the right line. I, I think, think I, I think that you go and put it on somebody else not on texas I, that's a tough betting line just because of the non-conference one but that's I, if i'm advising betters I, if i, I had to choose a side i, I would take over i well, think te- i think in the big 12 right now texas is a 10-win team i think they are and i got I a lot as with a loss to ou which we can you can split that 50 50 because last year they beat ou in the regular season and i'll go with a, a regular a regular season loss in a non-conference Say that's an LSU loss. Hell, a, that ain't no guarantee. But that's why I'm saying it's a so, good line. I become ira- it is a good line. Yeah. I become it still, ir- puts you, that still puts me at 10. I become irrationally confident. Half. Huh? Oh, half and half. Well, I don't yeah, need yeah. the half because the Big 12 got no returning uh, starting quarterbacks that are better than Sam Ellinger. I'm, and that's yeah. how you determine who's good in the Big 12. Year after year, it's returning starting quarterbacks who are really good. Now, Kyler Murray is making an exception. a different like he, deal. He's kind of, yeah, he kind and of. And I thought people who didn't take OU seriously last year were kidding themselves that because was that was a plug and play because deal. We, yeah. OU's the only, conf- only team in the conference, and they've dominated the conference for the most part, but they've been able to win with insert quarterback here, quarterbacks, all yeah. right? They've had, well, how many? 12 Big 12 titles with, with like uh, eight different quarterbacks. Whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> Other than Bradford, it's been a new one every it's time. Been, well, and, and Baker, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield. Yeah, yeah. Bradford and Baker Mayfield has been a different yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, I've become irrationally confident, Rod, yeah. with, with with the OU game the last few years because we saw Charlie's teams even had success in that game. Should have won exactly. a couple of those. You know, Tom Herman's coach competitively in that OU game won the regular season meeting last year. So, and, and you know, I, I think Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback. Is he, you know, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray transcendent? I don't personally think so. But until Lincoln Riley proves otherwise, he's got Lincoln. You've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. I look at the schedule. I mean, look, you go to TCU, and TCU might be the biggest wild card in the conference because I have no idea what the hell that roster is going to look like. I have no idea what they're going to do at quarterback. But again, we talk about giving the benefit of the doubt. It's Gary Patterson. He went to a bowl game last year, Rob. That team had no business being bowl eligible last year. No, they were bad with the injuries they had, and that really, I mean. Todd Orlando broke Sean Robinson. Like, you remember how good Sean mm-hmm. Robinson looked against Ohio State? And we were going into that game thinking, oh, man, he's good. But, you know, knowing Sean Robinson's background a little bit, I'm like, hey, he's pretty careless with the ball. And Todd Orlando just ate that defense, ate him alive last he year. Did. And he was never the same. So I don't know what TCU is going to look like. Iowa State, you'd say, okay, that game probably concerns you being at home later in the year. It's Brock Matt Purdy. Campbell. They'll, they'll probably figure it out with Brock Purdy, but you lose David Montgomery. You lose Hakeem, Hakeem Butler. Butler. We'll see what that defense looks like. No Brian Peavy anymore. Uh, they've got lost. They've, it, it's like it's not like you're talking about you know a school like Texas or LSU or Alabama or Ohio State where you figure, okay, you've got enough recruiting classes. You, you should reload. replenish the depth. No, right, you're, you're Iowa State. State. <laughs> Honestly. Matt, we talk about road schedule. Mm-hmm. Their toughest road game, I don't think there's any question. I think it's November 23rd at Baylor. I think that is their toughest road game. That Baylor or will be a your, tough road game. You're talking at West Virginia game, which is just because you have to go all the way to the East Coast, yeah. and, and it's so much further yeah, but away. Yeah, but no, I mean, I agree no, no, with you fully. But I agree. The West Virginia Those is an orthodox, you know, game just randomly because of what yeah. you, you, know, you got to go through. But I, I'm with Jeff. I don't I don't fear the road games this year. I, mean, no, I don't I, either. 
And that's where I like it. The one main thing is, is when you look at the juice, though, which side that's paying right now, it's minus 145 Texas to go over plus 125. So you're giving a 70 percent to the field. If you're putting down 100, you're put down 145 to win 100. If you're putting down 100, you end up winning 125. So you're talking about a 70 percent difference. If you're only putting down 100 on the front end for Texas to go over, you're getting paid back about 70 bucks. If you go under, it's 100 pays out 125. So they're definitely favored big time to go over. That's why if it ever were to drop down to nine would be good. But at 10, then you can get a better payout if it were to go up. But yeah, that's a a good line right now. And only teams expected to also go over more so. Oklahoma's at a minus 160. And then you have Georgia, Penn State, Michigan, Mississippi State and A&M. So out of all the bets in all the college football world, Texas is favored to go over almost more than anybody. Yeah. Rod, I, th- I think this, if you're taking the over or the under, this goes more to your point where you talk about Texas losing one of those games they have no business losing. And Tom Herman, even you go back to Houston, they have a couple of those losses. Yeah, yeah, how the heck did they do that? Uh, and, and going back to Matt's point, like at West Virginia, after you play Oklahoma State at home, which I think Oklahoma State's going to be improved from what they were last year, even losing Justice Hill and some of the losses yeah. they had. Uh, they lose the quarterback? Taylor Cornelius, yeah, but Spencer Sanders is the guy that they've been waiting he's, kind of for him. They've got three him weeks of air raid in a row: Oklahoma State at West Virginia and Oklahoma. Well, oh, oh, no, West, West Virginia's, West Virginia's not, not air raid anymore. anymore. Oh. Dana Hogan's gone. True, yeah, that, I totally yeah. forgot. That's the beauty of I Tar- literally Orlando. forgot that Tar- he left Orlando's Houston. Situation yeah. is his weakness has always been the air raid, and yet. Now the Big 12 is now devolving out of right. the air raid. Because they're it's going to bigger three, jobs. There's only three air raid coaches based on the air raid systems. That's TCU, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State's kind of, and eh, they're on the cusp of an air raid, but not really they're air raid like air raid, air raid like. That air makes raid-ish, it easier West Virginia game. So no Hogerson. Air, air raid's leaving the Big 12. That's good for Todd Orlando right. and the defense. But I think mm-hmm. it's just going to show, has this program matured and evolved to where you don't go, you don't play Oklahoma State before you play Oklahoma, go lose a road game to West Virginia. Yeah. A West Virginia team that you probably should beat because you, be. you look at their roster, they're they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback with Austin Kendall. New and, system. Everything. You know, Neil Brown. Yeah, Neil Brown's got to yeah. bring in that new system. So they're having kind of a culture change there. Um, you know, Kansas at home. Again, TCU's one of the wild cards in this league. I have no idea what they're going to look like. Yeah, you got a lot of regime changes right yeah. there on the road, so you should be able to handle that. K-State at home, that's another regime another change. Another regime change. You know what I mean? Like that, that should but be- I don't, that's one that I don't know that they'll look drastically all that different than they have the last uh, few years. I agree, but still, man, you're losing yeah, you, arguably the greatest college football <laughs> coach of all time. You know what I mean? I, you know what I mean? My point is I'm not – I mean, the Big 12 schedule is not – I'm not afraid of it this year. Like, it, I really have no fear of it. I Usually I got a fear of, oh, man, this game or that game. It's one of the rare years where uh, I don't really – there's nothing to fear on this Big 12 it's schedule. It's not fear. It's no? just do you have faith that Tom Herman as a coach and this program have gotten over that hump to where – they don't go like last year. You go lose in Stillwater, a game that really this is you true. had no business The losing. Maryland game at the beginning of the year. Right. But I would say that the growth of the Tom Hermans, at least in, in my opinion, the, the number one example of the growth of Tom Hermans teams the last two years, in each of those last two years, has been the last game of the season. Right. Like that, 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 uh, sorry, the Texas Bowl was big. Because they were missing a lot of their stars, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the guys who were NFL guys. That was a preview to the next year for that team. I mean, they had Puno on there, who turns out Puno was a force of nature, <laughs> who didn't even NFL didn't even see coming, by the way. Um, but that 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 showed a lot about Tom Herman and the progress and the culture setting in and the buy-in from the players who are going to be there next year. And the same thing this year when you beat Georgia. 
All right, you beat uh, one of the best teams in the country. Some people said they were one of the top four teams in the country, and you beat them at playing their style of football in the trenches by overwhelming them with defensive line depth. So I, I have no reason not to buy in. Like, why would I accept? Why would I go into the season going, well, man, I know they're gonna lose another one early <laughs> on in the season. Yeah, they. Yeah, but that was his first two years with the team. This is the first time where most of the team are his guys. Yep. I don't even have to get these guys to buy in. You know, all the work that I put in getting, trying to get the leaders of the team to buy in the first two years, trying to get Malik Jefferson to buy in and Connor Williams to buy in and Deshaun, trying to get all the best players to buy in. I don't have to do that anymore. The best players on the team, they're already bought in. They're my guys. They I recruited me. them. I think that puts you not on the fast track, but I think there are a lot of things that you had to address in the offseason last two years because they most of those guys weren't your guys. But now you don't have to do that. Right. The culture is already set in. It's going to start manifesting itself because you already put the work in. The seeds have already been have already been planted. That's that's kind of how I feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why I would be op- more optimistic going into the season than pessimistic. Yeah, I lost to OU. I mean, they're not they're gonna not gonna be perfect. Lost to OU. Lost another loss thrown in there, but. Man, you can't tell me you see any any guaranteed losses on the schedule no, like we've don't. seen the last I, I don't. seven, eight years going, oh, that's a loss. Oh, th- that is definitely a Not loss. like, like you, a Lubbock, Manhattan, those were the type of things. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, oh, man, up. that's going to be a lot. It's like the, the conference has changed so much yeah. and Texas has changed so much in the last two years. It, to me, again, it's just do you have faith that this program has matured to where they don't have one of those types exactly. of losses that you worry about? And I got, the, I got the faith. And Robbie, if you're betting Robbie it, if you're giving them one of those losses, you still He's, can get the over if you only lose one other, one to LSU and OU and then one unexpected loss. And the faith, to me, comes from Sam Ellinger, number one, having your quarterbacks. So, so first time we having a spring football where we're not mm. uh, uh, having anxiety about the quarterback position. It's been 10 years since we've had that kind of feeling. And number two, like I said, from what I've seen, the team, the best game of the season for the Longhorns the last two years has been the last game of the season. I don't I can't remember football programs that have that kind. I mean, you can say that, hmm. like, definitively. Hmm. Oh, no, their best the, games are the last game. 04 and 05 Texas. That's you know about what I mean? It. <laughs> the games, exactly, right? It's, you're the games some, they've yeah, lost throughout the last 08 two. Texas. you got to win championships you know I mean? yeah. almost. The games Tom Herman has lost really where good you look at it and say, man, they had no business losing that game. The two Maryland games, you the Texas Tech game two years ago, yeah. uh, the, the Oklahoma okay. State Oklahoma game State last game. year. It's almost like Texas went into those games – Confident to the point where it was overconfident and it bordered on arrogance. Coaching staff too. I think Texas had loitered. and that's where Texas had loitered in for two decades, barring a few yeah. on the front end or back end. You know, that's been the heaviest criticism. Like until Mac teams overcame that, but like they would, you would say at time that they were a team that they look great on paper, they go in and show up, but then they get hit in the mouth, and it's not the, the same. The reason, one of the reasons why Tom Herman's been so good in big games, like you look at the Oklahoma game last year, is specifically that Georgia game where Texas has been really good when they've looked really good like a contender, it's because from the top down, there's been the mindset of this is who we are, this is who we're going to be, and this is the plan we're going to have to get where we want to be. Yeah. Very focused, very very, very, very rooted in physicality. Yep. <laughs> That's who Tom that Herman is. And when we've seen them get away from that, like the Texas Tech game two years ago where, you know, yeah, we don't need to go through a hard practice on Monday or Tuesday. No, you need to do that because that, that's who you are. Yeah. That's who you've trained to be. Why would you deviate from that? And when we've seen them stick to the plan, stick to who they are, stick to what this culture has said from day one, this is who they're going to be, they've been fine. And they've and they competed and they've done well. Too. 
Uh, this past season? I think they did that before, before the, the Maryland game. It was before, like, it was before, yeah, before the Maryland game they did because I was there to see that. But then they did it again. Remember Todd Orlando brought it up again during the year? Like, no, 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 we're going to make sure we get back to tackling. It was during the mm-hmm. air raid I think it run. was. I think it was going into the Tech game. So that would have been like Oklahoma State, West Virginia, where you had some issues with that. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, missed tackles was a big thing. He's like, no, no, we're going to get back to um, hitting hard in practice, even though we have – Excuse me. Injury issues. We're gonna get back to hitting in practice. Mm-hmm. We have to have that. If we're not, we're gonna go into the game. We're gonna miss tackles, and we're gonna be really, really incompetent in that phase of the game. But you're getting to the point, and this is when when Tom Herman took the mm-hmm. job, and I started talking to people that have been around Tom Herman and know him and know kind of what he's about. Uh, even though you know they probably aren't on speaking terms or whatever, there's been some bad blood there. You know what Tom Herman learned from Urban Meyer is that physicality. If you're gonna be a physical football team, that's who you have to be all the time, and Tom Herman tried to do that at U of H and did it successfully, but we saw at U of H you don't have the depth to be able to carry that throughout the whole season. We saw that rod some of Bill Snyder's K-State teams. That's why at the end of the year they lost some juice because it's hard when you don't have Mm -hmm. that depth to maintain that all the way through. At Texas, if you're recruiting the way you should be able to recruit, and Tom Herman's proven that with back-to-back top three recruiting classes, if you're recruiting at the level where you should, depth shouldn't be a problem. Exactly. You're afforded that luxury that you can get enough good players that you can withstand those injuries. And that's where, you know, the shell of teams sort of like when you haven't built your program to where you want to be or if you necessarily have fallen off on that evaluation, that's where Herman seems to be hitting that prime point right now. So they're not there yet, but they're getting there. So when you start looking at this team, Rod, in 2019, the first spring practice, I watched the defense, the entire viewing window that the media had. I I hardly watched any offense, just enough to see kind of who physically looks good, and Mm -hmm. we're supposed to get another uh, viewing window at some point here pretty soon. So I'll be watching more offense at that time. But the move that stuck out to me, and we'll go back to the secondary, is – for the first spring practice, the first snap of pursuit drill, which is during the viewing window we get, it's the only time we see all starting 11 on defense together. Yeah. B.J. Foster's your starting nickelback. He enters spring as the number hey. one nickel ahead of Josh Thompson. Nice. Go. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it makes sense from this standpoint. In the nickel position, you can keep him closer to the line of scrimmage, which mm-hmm. you, he's a box player. You want him in the box on the edge. Yeah, I agree with that. And also – I mean, the fact of the matter is he's just a more instinctual player than Josh Thompson from what I've seen. And you want a guy that can use his instincts at that position. He was great last year. He's a natural blitzer. Like, he really – he right. just – and that, you don't teach that, really. That, they, they didn't have enough time to teach him that. I mean, maybe in high school somebody did really well. He might have blitz. I didn't watch enough of his high school film to be able to diagnose that. But he's a natural – in terms of the timing um, and being, being able to kind of, uh, kind of sift his way through the traffic there. He's really, really good. Um, I like him at the nickel because you can use the nickel in so many different ways, man. Like I, you know, you can drop that guy into coverage. Hmm. You can you can blitz him. You can blitz him late. You can bring him down the box as a linebacker. Um, hell, man, you can end up shifting him as a safety. Um, but I still stand by my you know my premise that all three of those guys, you know, I think Caden Stearns, uh, I took BJ Foster in there, and you know. I throw Anthony Cook in there. I think you need to be working all three of those guys at nickel, and they all need to get reps at nickel. At so you will have you're prepared either to play them there in case there's an injury, knock on wood, or if all three of those guys are on the field, imagine how you can confuse the offense mm-hmm. when the offense gets a chance to see on film all three of those guys 
playing different positions in the secondary. Yeah. To me, like that's and that's what's that's that's what's demanding value right now in the NFL at the next level anyway. I mean, yeah. that's why Honey Badger's getting paid fourteen mil a year now. It's because he's the most versatile weapon in the NFL. And say what you want about Landon Collins, but he's really versatile the way they use him man. and I think they're gonna use him even more. Um so I I, I think for if you're looking at Todd Orlando and how he can maximize those guys that's how you do it, man. These guys are phenoms. I mean, they're prodigies. Yeah. yeah. And AJ think about Foster you're saying right there with the ability to all play different positions and how quickly, you know, we talk about confusing the quarterback, but really now think about the numbers behind it. If you have three guys that can play three different positions, well, three times three is nine, but then if you have safeties that also can then flip and show you different looks and you have this multiplicity of the ability to play mm. them, you're talking about an exponential amount of possibilities there oh, that yeah. have to be going through the mind yeah. of the quarterback during that play knowing that they're all actual options and that isn't something that you see in college football exactly like you can see that in the nfl (laughs) but they're very niched players usually when you're talking especially big 12 defensive players so getting these guys and then when you end up sending a guy like foster who just seems like his temperament and body type may be one that's more inclined to survive closest to the football and he embraces physicality and then if he has Mm -hmm. the iq to do that and you're talking about earlier a guy that's able like we it came up when I thought about it when we were talking about Basher and Ramones, but it's different. But Caden Stearns looks different on the field than the rest in the way he he that he different. has closing speed. Now, yeah. he's more of a hulking, massive safety back there in context to what you think of in elegance or the, the quickness that we were talking with Basher or with Ramones. But when you somehow can close and have speed like that, that's as They're more fast compact. as anybody. They're more compact than Caden. Caden's yeah. more, he's he's, more long and rangy out there. Which so, is almost better for the modern. Yeah, so he does. It, 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 but it doesn't crazy. take him long to get to full speed. But, he, yeah, Vasher, I agree. He had a different it's burst. Like if it Earl was Thomas almost, was in a 6-2 body is what Stearns can that's close. That's what it, it almost seems like. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, plays you compare it to Earl a lot. So when you think of all those options, just if those four guys can play four different positions, that's 16. Add in five nickelbacks. But then based on matchups, then you can, you know, that's why you can outmaneuver the offense, right? It's like, all right, we know with this matchup, they got a really dynamic slot receiver. P.J. Foster's good, but he ain't that good. All right, you know what? We're going to take advantage of this. Anthony Cook, I know you're you're our best cover man. Can you cover the slot this week and cover their best wide receiver that they put in the slot? All right, cool. But And then you still have the depth to be able to – uh, you know, put other guys on the outside and to be able to move your your chess pieces around so that you get the you know the 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 natural advantage or the X's and O's advantage. So I think I think you'd be doing a disservice to the defense and to those young men if you don't play all three of them at multiple positions. Which is why it helps to have a veteran guy like Chris Brown in there that you can put in at safety to give you to let you move let you move around. around let yeah, you exactly move right. DJ Foster around yeah. and it's also why Rod when you look at the corner position you know you I, I know everybody's excited about Jalen Green and Anthony Cook and and I, from everything I've heard the staff is you look at Jalen Green and I'm like wow that's when they build a first round draft pick at corner that's what they're supposed that's to look what they're like supposed to look like but don't sell short the development of Kobe Boyce and Kobe Boyce coming along. And if Kobe Boyce can be a starting caliber player, that's when you can put Anthony, Anthony Cook, Cook in, in the, the nickel. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you. No, not 100%. Actually, you could argue the development of those guys is even more crucial because you know the trajectory of these other guys. If you want to actually have that plan of multiplicity and having multiple guys be able to play different positions, then you got to have depth. you got to have a ton right. of it. And this is a yeah. secondary, again, keep in mind, that doesn't have Brandon Jones right now because he's on the shelf. Blessing in disguise. Recovering from ankle surgery. 
And we're not even talking about getting Tyler Owens in here this summer or Kenyatta Watson at corner coming in. Rod, you've got a chance to be, I don't think I'm out of line when I say this, you've got a chance to be as deep in the secondary as you've been since the national championship year. Uh, Just in terms of pure man-for-man talent. Yeah, uh, in terms of high-end talent and the ceiling for all these guys. And that's why I think Tyler Lando, they want to play more DBs. Which which is also why you got to cross-train guys. Because if I want to get, because I guarantee the the pitch for getting these guys, you wouldn't be keep getting all these great DBs Mm -hmm. if you weren't pitching to them. No, no, all y'all want to play. That is the pitch. I'm I'm talking to these guys. guys, Hell, if DeMarvio and Overshawn works out, we're playing Seven DBs. We're going Chargers out there. You and know, and they're what telling mean? you so how you're going to be used. Area, yeah. So I, I think they're definitely pitching that. But the way you do that is you cross train guys. So Demarvion Overshone is going to be key, right? Because you know that's the guy you can keep out there all three downs. But depending on the situation, put him at linebacker. Put him at you know. Well, and, at, and if you're working, if you're working BJ Foster in the nickel, this lets you take Demarvion Overshone. Okay, you're going to spend this whole spring learning that Joker position. There you go. So BJ Foster already knows the Joker position. He yeah. knows what to do there. It's he's. Good, he's fine. Yeah. Let him learn nickel, and now DeMarvin Overshone. And, and can you imagine, Rod, having a safety? I don't know what he's listed at on the depth chart. Yeah, I haven't no. looked at the spring That'd roster. That'd be wild, man. But he's got to be 225, 230. He's got to be 220. At be least. I mean, yeah. I saw him walking around campus a couple weeks ago. in just he's t-shirt got, he and shorts. It. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. he's got to be 225, 230. And to have mm-hmm. that guy in your joker position, I mean, you basically got – what you had in Jason Hall, but with an, a legitimate NFL-style skill set. Yeah, that's scary. I mean, yeah. I just, so you're talking about taking your lightning package now. That's no longer like, you know, just a sub package. That no, can, once again, be, be a base. base package for you, especially yeah. depending on if you don't like really what you've got at linebacker, boom, run lightning, and you've got DeMarvion Overshown in there who's basically playing like a linebacker. And depending on how you how the defensive front works out, if you can get to your steady, you know, three guys, so obviously you want four or five guys you're playing, but if you can get – Three guys up front who can be stout and consistent. You get into playing, you know that that three two, uh, that three two six, and then you have your Joker be Demarvion Overshone. Your nickel end up being B.J. Foster, Caden Stearns at a safety, and Brandon Jones at a safety. <laughs> Cook at a corner, Jalen Green at a corner. That's nasty. Yeah, no wonder. That's that, a nasty secondary, yeah. man. That, there's no matchup. There's no matchup advantage for you as an offensive player. Like you, these days, that's what the offenses are built around, right? Trying to mm-hmm. find the matchup, right? Which matchup is advantageous? Oh, which? Who's the weakest link? Who's the weakest link? Let's find it and then based on your defense yeah, to that. Based on the formation and based on our personnel package, we will be able to boom single out that weak link, and then we will expose it over and over again. You're looking at a secondary like that. I guess you can go out to the corners because they're Run the kind of unproven commodities, but I don't think it'll take long for Anthony Cook and Jalen Green they're to not, They're not going to lose make all those money. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like Those guys are natural cover guys. Uh, they're kind of like, you know, I remember being a young natural cover guy. Like, yeah, test me, please. I, one thing I can do is cover. If you want to test me as a run support guy, go right ahead. That's a different discussion. <laughs> well, you as know, a cover corner, I'll cover damn near anybody out here. If right. I'm just in that kind of situation, that's how Cook and, and Green are. So, yeah, I think – Man, if you're looking at, I think that's the goal, honestly, Jeff. I think yeah. you're right. I think that's what he ultimately wants. That's his dream. I want as many move. I want to be as as much depth to be able to have yeah. as many chess pieces as I possibly can. Because we've talked about havoc rates. I don't know how much here in the two years under yep. Todd Orlando, and you look at his track record. It's all, you know, typically it's linebackers that he's had where he's had a lot of success with. But I think, and we'll talk about B backer here in a minute. But not having that that guy like he had it with Tyus Bowser Houston and B backer to be able to do different things, it's made him shift his focus to where now his versatility is on the back end. 
with these big body long athletic safeties that run mm-hmm. four fives, four fours that run like corners. Okay, now this is where I can be versatile is, is taking this lightning package and let's shift it around to figure out what I've got. I just think he wants as many pieces because let's say you do have an injury to a B.J. Foster. Okay, no big deal. We can have Caden Stearns play the nickel in some spots, plug Chris Brown in the safety who's yeah. a veteran guy, and boom, you're you're not you're not you're not losing anything. I think the challenge for Tarlando is going to be the linebacker position. Yeah, you know, I mean, I. And I, I think the defensive line, and, and you talked about it, your tweet last year about them playing, what, nine different defensive nine line different versus guys. Georgia. I yeah. know they lose three guys, but, I mean, you're still bringing back guys like Malcolm Roach and Taquan Graham who Marcus are ideal. Bimmons, yes. Marcus Bimmons coming off shoulder surgery. Could be yeah. your best two guys. Two, I, know, I think might, those are the top two so guys. So point is, though, like counting last year, like even when you look at the numbers, going into last year, people were like, oh, Malcolm Roach may be the key to this defensive front, like and to have him back and then have a guy like Graham, that's really big and – you know, you're talking about the secondaries. Uh, it made me think, like, well, you know, we've seen Texas really struggle stopping these mobile quarterbacks. Maybe that's what uh, opposing defense or offenses will be deduced to. If Texas's secondary is this yeah, good, sure. so it's like, all right, yeah. now I need to go look at the Texas quarterbacks in the Big Twelve because that can be a big part of the formula to seeing if Texas goes over ten wins. If you don't have a lot of run threats or quarterback run threats, the one thing that can beat a good defense yeah. and beat you okay. on every single play. It, I mean, if that's your best option. And Texas's defense is in a great well, spot. And that's interesting you bring that up because I think that is highlighting the linebacker point. I mean, that's why Texas, yep. the last two years, that's why they, part of the reason they were so unique, right? We find out later that Gary Johnson's a freak of nature and is like the fastest guy on the defense. Yep. <laughs> yeah. We knew that. I was yelling that all and, season. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, my man Matt been on that for, forever. But looking at his track times, people knew that he was a freak, mm-hmm. but not. We didn't know he maintained the speed <laughs> with the football frame and everything. Apparently he does. And Malik Jefferson also in that same realm. So for Todd Orlando, I think that's his challenge because I agree with Matt. I think teams are going to try to start attacking what's the weakness of the mm-hmm. defense if the defensive line has depth and the secondary is deep and talented. It's the linebackers. Um, and they've done that before, actually, in Attack Texas right there at uh, the linebacker position in different ways. Saw so Oklahoma State do it. Oklahoma State West did Virginia it. I think West Virginia did it. Did it. Well, yeah. When your te- you know defense mean? is winning every play, you're sometimes just that's deduced what, to your well, you're running looking for the matchup that, that, that you can win at, and that's a matchup where you know you can win in terms of athleticism. So I agree. I think that's where he's going to have to like make his money. He's going to have to work hard during the spring to figure out who are his best linebackers in, in terms of situations and, yeah, with your ideal package, is, is it the lightning package? Well, then who are your two best guys who basically speed is their biggest assets because that's what you need? Because I don't know if you're going to have, you know, a, a low 4-5 guy now in your linebacking core. I think Jeffrey, Mc, you know. You, you don't. You don't. You, you got don't. four You got four fives and four sixes, you know, and now you haven't had that at Texas. That's a challenge mm-hmm. in the Big 12. And I know we can talk about mm-hmm. the, Gabriel, the Gabriel Floyd speed, but he's a little true freshman. And yeah. in this defense at that position, Rod, even I mean you you yeah, play you, you played with a young Derek Johnson though. and even yeah. as fast and athletic as he was, there's still times He's, where you're still kind of kind of get your yeah. Bearings I think early on he gets to play with D.D. Lewis a little bit, right? He gets to early on to play with guys like Everett Rawls and uh, you know Jones. Tyrone Jones and. So, you know what I mean? Early on, I think he gets a chance to play with guys who end up being, you know, you got to be a traffic cop. You're sorting stuff out, mm-hmm. and then it's organized chaos, and right before the snap, you still got to know alignment assignment. So I don't know if he's ready for that because Gary Johnson could, was that guy. Yeah. Like you, Gary Johnson was that guy, and I think you had a bunch of Malik could have been that guy, and then you had veteran linebackers at that present. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be a challenge to get a young guy who can fill that role, hopefully, that's why you got those veteran safeties who can kind of come down and help be traffic cops and get the defense lined up.
Yep, and when you talk about our coaching staff and identifying the type of players and the tools or ways that they'll be utilized, you know, we the one thing that is unquantifiable when you're talking about play is the mental recognition. And if you're a tenth of a second faster, this way, say, mm-hmm. Quandre Diggs has never been a fast or overly athletic guy, but yeah. that football IQ off the charts can start immediately as a freshman or immediately as a rookie this because if you mentally diagnose it and are right and are confident and not hesitating and making that decision, in that tenth, you being a four six six guy can be a four five guy, and that's you know, and that's I where that's the football IQ thing. That if a coach gets that his player gets it, and you're recruiting the right yeah. minds, and you're aligning, and you're Belichick, and know exactly what you want, and can read these people, and it's a poker game, and then it's understanding if the kid's smart and gets your scheme. Like there's so many levels to yeah. it, but if you can do that, but that's diagnosed that's, 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 that's a how, Caden Stearns, right. that's a Derek Johnson, that's a or you know I mean a but, guy that or, can play but it's a also Derek how game. he can make yourself faster than no your it is. Time but speed. I agree with you. But so like that's how Belichick gets those guys, and so it'll be interesting to see if like you know guys who have Naturally, as a yep. freshman, mm-hmm. those are the Derrick yes, Johnson and yes. the Caden Stern or the Nathan Vashers mentally or the Quandre Diggs. Hell, even Rod Babers wasn't as a freshman. I don't think I had yeah. that where I could be Neo in the Matrix and mm-hmm. die. Basically, my four four mm-hmm. was I played at a four three level. I didn't yeah. get to that point till I was a junior. Where if he ran that, if he ran that slant on you that, knew. on that, yeah, you reading know, your keys, it, 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 my three step read. He ran that slant. I seen the flare route. I seen it so many times <laughs> that I knew like. Oh, crap. It's like a He's photographic memory. Like, and, I've heard yeah, Andrew like, Luck talk I'm about that. I'm literally running toward it as the quarterback is throwing and it's going slow yep. motion. Um, yeah, I wasn't so, like that. I wasn't a phenom, though. So what Jeff is saying is he don't think any of those linebackers are phenoms. They're not prodigies. Yeah. They're not, you know, Caden Cerns can play at that level and play at that speed. He's a phenom. Agreed. He didn't have to naturally develop that football IQ mm-hmm. like Rod B did yeah. with, with Coach Aquino. And then I started playing at a faster, a faster mm-hmm. level and a faster rate. I don't know if any of the linebackers are there. And that's just the one thing. Malik was there. And that's just Jefferson. And that's the only reason that I pointed out when we just said, well, these guys, none of these guys are that fast. And still, though, that can be correct. Yet they still could maybe produce better than what those times say. That's why I'm saying about the ID in a player aligning. Totally agree with you. I think linebacker, you know, Rod, some of the guys you mentioned were secondary guys, Caden Stearns and Matt Tarmac, Quandre Diggs. Linebacker to me. Is a different beast, it and is. I think the thing that made Malik special was the speed. Because even as a young guy, when you're having to take time to diagnose things, how many times we talk about this with Malik and with Gary Johnson, you can take a split second longer to diagnose to make sure your first step's going to be right when because you got you've got speed. the recovery speed yeah. to get there. And what did we talk about last year with Anthony we Wheeler? Wheeler doesn't have that recovery speed mm-hmm. like those two guys have to get there. I agree. So that to me, I mean, even though you know. I don't know if the, the I've I've seen the Gabriel Floyd. I, I know what he's timed at. I know he's got good speed, but does he have elite speed? Elite that elite speed. burst. We've had elite to speed be the able last two to, years. to 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 be able to take that extra split second to diagnose it to make yeah. sure you're right, and then you're still not a half step late because no. you're always on you're top even, of the ball. You even ahead sometimes. Like that's right. how fast Gary Johnson was. He can be like, oh mm-hmm. no, I got this. Have a second behind, and then it within. Five yards, he's half a step ahead. Yeah, because <laughs> like, football ain't all that. Like watch Le'Veon Bell yeah. hit a hole. You also it, have it to was, see, so know. And to wait. your point about Derek Johnson, he had veteran linebackers around him. Outside of Jeffrey McCulloch, you have nothing to speak of in terms of on-field experience. So I think for Todd Orlando, the challenge is yeah. whatever two inside guys you go with, you're not really going to know how they're going to handle it until they're in the thick of it. 
Yeah, no, you're right. They got no real like mentorship to kind of help them into that role. Gary Johnson was a JUCO guy coming in, so right. he was already ready to go. And Malik, which is cool to know. Yeah, exactly. Malik can play a lot of football by the time Malik, the staff got here. I would say, yeah, and Malik exactly by the time they got here, I played some football because he started as a true freshman. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Todd Orlando. This is I agree. I think if there's anything that is going to be his biggest challenge, that's it. Figuring out those two linebackers who fit most in your scheme. Either way, it's going to be two guys. He's not going to play. I mean, he could end up playing. I mean, I will say that in that Georgia game, I mean, but they were deeper in that Georgia game at linebacker. You saw them put three, four linebackers out there at times. Yeah. So, but I think this year you'll see them more with two guys. And two you guys. could do that, too, because you're finally starting to see a presence emerge at B-backer, which he hasn't had through his first two years. We saw it late last year. Guys, he's with, recruited with, to play that position. Right, with Joseph Osai yeah. at 6'4", 250 with length that now can take your – now everybody just been complaining and whining and hollering and screaming about, why don't you run more four-man fronts? Now you have the ability to do that when you've got a guy like Joseph Osai. You know, this is the guy – well, he, and that, I said it's about Todd Orlando too. Another thing about him, since we're you know kind of psychoanalyzing him, this is the first time in, in oh, man, nine, ten years where he actually is going to be able to uh, build a defense around guys he recruited. Uh, it's only two guys starting on this defense – that he well will be starting on his defense. We don't know who's going to start yet, but that he didn't recruit, and that'll be Brandon Jones and Malcolm Roach. Or Gerald Wilborn, probably. Gerald Wilborn, I guess you can. So, put but him three, out okay, three. Yeah, yeah, three. Three of three of the eleven, well, exactly. And I don't know who's going to start, but as I was, I don't know if Gerald Wilborn's going to start. Well, I think you're so. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's two starting de- defensive linemen. I two of them will Malcolm Roach, and one's going to be Taquan Graham. I don't know who the third one's going to be. I know Brandon Jones is going to start. Well, I think now and I know Malcolm it, Roach is going to start. We don't know what the deal is with Keandre Coburn's kidney issues that's keeping him off the practice field yeah, right now. That's, that's and I just think at, at nose, Rod, you know how it's that true. world no, is. You're right. You probably you want a veteran beast. guy. You probably want a veteran guy. There. I agree with that too. So, but it, it, there'll be the three. Fight. Then if still, but it'd be the most that he's had since his time going back to UConn. But the good part is, like you just pointed out, a lot of these guys are specifically picked, tailored to play certain roles in whatever his ideal scheme is. Right. You know what I mean? And, you know, I mentioned Joseph Osai. Everything I've heard talking to people behind the scenes, it really sounds like they're primed, at least inside the Moncrief Man, complex, like they're primed for him to be kind of the yeah. next breakout star in this program. But Rob, we, you're finishing up the talk with the defense, and we'll hit more on this as we go through spring practice. You know, I think the the Georgia game, especially when you've got LSU game two, I think that's a preview of what's to come because while you don't have the presence you have with Charles Amenahu, we I think that Georgia game was a preview of what's to come because I don't know that you're going to have, you know, that, that no-doubt first-round type guy on the defensive line. I think, again, I think Todd Orlando wants yeah. a bunch of Taquan Grahams that are like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, with, with length, yep. that can play mm. multiple shades. And you start you. looking at ends, your starting guys right now are Graham and Roach. And then your second group, I believe it was Bimage and – why am I drawing a blank here? Uh, Bimage, Jacoby Jones is in that mix. Mm. Uh, Moro Ojomo was on that Ojimo. second line. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, you're talking about being, what, right off the bat probably five, six deep at defensive yeah. end but See, That's why I think you're you're around the money. He he just wants a bunch of Malcolm Roaches and Taquan Grahams. That way, it's just like, no, I just got five, six D linemen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, and I mean? got seven and DBs. He, and, but he still got two, like, no, like old school nose tackles. He still got two of those guys that can play, at least two guys that can play that. Like, yeah. and, and then nine Gary Johnsons. And that's Keandre Colbert. <laughs> and that's, you know what I mean? Like, he's got, so I, I can kind of see what he's going towards. And it makes perfect sense to And me. you even got, now you've got guys like a Daniel Carson 
or like a Jamari Chisholm, who, you know, even though Chisholm I don't think is going to be a starting caliber guy, but he's a good depth guy. Mm-hmm. But you take a guy like Carson, who at 300, 305, he can play nose. Now, yeah. if you want to go a little like NASCAR-type package, now you can. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. No, I agree. I think he, he wants guys, and you pointed out several times, multiple shades. Just give me a guy that can play more than one shade. I don't want a guy that's specific because then I don't get any value out of him. Yeah. If I got a guy who's just a five tech, he does me no good. That does nothing for him. Yeah, that versatility is what he values on the defensive line. I think that's starting to become a common theme all throughout his And you're seeing that with the guys they're recruiting too. Yeah. You no know, doubt. The Tavondre Sweats and the yeah. Peter Pudgies of the world. And that's what you need in the Big 12, specifically. The, and that's what surprises about the Georgia game. Because, like, okay, yeah, building that, as you pointed out, building that for the Big 12, you know, that's fine. And people have done that successfully. Gary Patterson's of the world. And, you know, obviously Texas has done that too. But can you do that and also be able to translate it to go beat an Ohio State and a, and a Georgia and a, you know what I mean, and Alabama? And yeah. that's the key. And, he, and they did it yesterday. I mean, sorry, last year. Yeah, that's, you know, this is more bigger picture, but I think when you're looking at, you know, what Tom Herman's building, and not that he's following this blueprint, but the more I think about it, the more I really wish that 2014 TCU team would have gotten in the playoff. Because I think when you look at how they were built, yeah, and, and it, maybe it's not the blueprint anymore, because like we talk about, the Big 12 is changing. There's less air raid influence in the it league. Yeah. That 2014 TCU team, Rod, they were built for the best of both worlds. They could win in the Big 12 against an Art Bryles Baylor offense or against a Texas Tech or against, you know, an Oklahoma State, while at the same time, we saw what they did to Ole Miss in the Peach Bowl. Yeah, they could play slobber knocking football. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that may be the last, like, top 10 defense to be close. I think it is, yeah. I want to say that's the last time they had a top ten. Defense, I think they were which top. Is just unreal. They to were think like bare. They were like number nine or something like I, that. I want to say they were like top fifteen. I think in run total defense yards. total the end scoring. Yeah, I want to say in score, at least scoring defense is what I'm talking about. Go, go, I think just may, well maybe I'm off about that. Maybe it's a top fifteen, but they were the one of the last elite defenses in the Big Twelve. You want to call? You want to say elite? Which is what top I'm, fifteen, I'm top twelve. Right There's the last elite defense I think the Big Twelve yeah, has. Numbers, numbers just screw over Big Twelve yeah. teams. Like you, when you're comparing them to just the, the Big East crap that they no stuff. So whenever I had always hear that this is the worst no, defensive right best, it's like no, we're in the best offensive. In terms conference. of play, punch in per context play, to it, still no what doubt. you're facing is so Let's optimal see, compared TCU, to TCU. TCU's I defense in 2014, uh, total defense 18. Run run defense ninth, pass efficiency defense ninth, scoring defense eighth. They were eighth. Okay, so they were top ten. That's elite in the Big Twelve in twenty fourteen. The best defense (laughs) in the nation. You know what I mean? Like, that, uh, you were number two in the country yeah. in scoring offense and yeah. eight in the country in scoring defense. I agree with you right there. You're right on the money, man. Like, that's yeah. the best defense in the country if you consider context. Yes. Of what Put them in the SEC East it. or in the Big yeah. East or something I like agree. that. Yeah, yeah. That's a great point. I agree with you on this. Yeah. I think they probably could have beaten an SEC team. But I think that's the old blueprint. And does Tom Herman now have the new blueprint to win in the league when you look at the influence, what I think we're going to see from Matt Wells, what I think we're going to see from Neil Brown with Matt, Matt Rule, Rule in this league, with Matt, Matt Campbell, Campbell in this league. Yeah. With freaking Les Miles in this league. <laughs> Les Miles is back. Forget about yeah. that. Yeah. He, he, does, did y'all see he was does the Tom Herman now movie? have the new blueprint where, okay, yeah. we're malleable enough on offense to be whatever we want, but we're still going to win this with defense, special teams, and being able to run the ball whenever the hell so we strange. want. Still an offensive league, but now just a different offensive philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It's so weird the way it, it changed almost overnight, too. It's like done. 
because you still yeah. gotta you still gotta be able to score points. Because at the end of the well, day, until, that's, all, that's all that's football. Period. Until now. until yeah. you knock Lincoln Riley off the perch, offense still runs this league. Ain't no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And well, still even looking at the the bet the most consistent. I know that's teams. like hard hitting football now. So it's like you need well, to score points to win. No, no. Well, yeah, but the most consistent no teams in the Big Twelve over the last few years have been you know TCU and Oklahoma mm-hmm. and Oklahoma State. Look at the, the head coaches there, right? Gary Patterson, Mike Gundy, and Lincoln Riley. The secession from Bob Stoops. Those are honestly the kind of most consistent programs. Is because they still have had that air raid influence because scoring is their number one priority. Right. They've supplemented defense to the point where it's haunting OU right now. Mm-hmm. They got now Lincoln Riley's next stage to become a great head coach is to figure out what the hell's going on with their defense. And Gary Patterson, in, in an innate way, he has that at TCU because he's a defensive guy who adopted the air raid. And Mike Gundy, hell, Mike Gundy's just damn good. And I don't, I don't want to get too deep. I don't know how Mike Gundy's done, but he's just I don't want to get too deep into a conference discussion, but, man, I hear from a lot of OU fans, oh, they hired Alex Grinch, everything's fine. I watched that OU defense twice in person last year. They got, they got personnel issues. They got issues. personnel issues. You're on, not the, on the back end? Yeah. That's the worst OU defense, secondary, at least I've seen in the Stoops era. Yeah, you're not recruiting The Stoops slash Riley era. Yeah. Totally agree. I mean, you're to the point now. Remember, we talked about this at the Big 12 Media Days. They didn't have a single player voted to the preseason All-Big 12 defensive team for the first time like in the history of the conference, mm-hmm. I believe. I think, yeah, go <laughs> but, back to 96. Yeah, you got to go way. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's Nobody respects that Big 12 defense. Uh, sorry, the Oklahoma defense, and they were right about it. Like, and you still got Lincoln Riley, issue. but here's the trump card for OU now. You don't have number six or you don't have number one back there pulling the trigger to bail you out anymore. But this is what we'll see if Lincoln if, – if Lincoln Riley does it again with Jason, Jalen Hurts, then can we all agree that, all right, it's, it, it, no, then he, there's not a better offensive coach in football at any level, period. Boom. Right. Well, yeah, I was, was going to say, like, at this three guys in a row uh, and two of them one-year rental guys, you know yeah. what I mean, kind of mercenaries, and you turn them into Heisman Trophy winning, potential number one overall picks, all right, you know what? If he if he does that, we'll if he does that, Rod, then, then if I'm Jerry Jones, really? I go to Lincoln Riley and say, here's a blank check, write your number. That's exactly, I totally agree. Whatever your number Whatever is, you write mean, it. Whatever you want, man. Whatever you want. <laughs> just, oh, and you, want, you want $10 million you a year? Right, go ahead. $10 a year, I will give it to you, sir. <laughs> turn Dak Prescott into – to what you turned Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray into. Because Kyler Murray might go number one overall. If that happens, have we ever seen anything like that? Heisman Trophy winner, number one overall, back-to-back. Where you go from a guy that looked lost at times at A&M, like he probably couldn't have played at Prairie View, even though Kyler Murray was really talented. And One's then, the shortest quarterback ever to be drafted in the first round, the other mm-hmm. first walk-on ever to be drafted like, number one overall. Who also is like the second shortest? What the hell? Like, seriously. <laughs> Behind we got, yeah, Then we had to be like, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm already Riley, there. Like, I don't this think. This dude is a freak. I don't think Hurts yeah. will, like, surpass what they did because it seems as if Hurts has a different skill ceiling. set. He has a ceiling. Just, uh, High, yeah, a low ceiling. But yeah. that doesn't mean that the production that can be manufactured from that offense can't be similar. We'll see. Yeah. The way that we view numbers just being good teams, quarterback, Heisman, then it might align, yeah. Going back to what we talked about at the top, though, when we talked about win totals in in this conference pecking order, I I just don't ever see how people – Doubted what Lincoln Riley could do with Kyler Murray. Like, yeah, yeah that was that was just you're, lying, you're lying to yourself. That was like, ignorant. Yeah, you were uh, just being delusional or a homer. Yeah, uh, homer. rooting just against delusion. Their, that's all. That's, that's, that's all aligned. Uh, real quick, <laughs> I just want to hit this real quick because again, I didn't watch a ton of offense uh, on, on in, the, in the one open practice we've had, uh, but physically, 
man, Jordan Whittington and Brew McCoy, they belong. Yeah, mm. I've heard this. Uh, and I've heard that Brew McCoy, is, is he working the slot? He's going to work the slot a little Ooh. bit. Uh, but right, but yes. right now, see, here's but this is the thing with these young wide receivers, Rod, is there's plenty of opportunities for them because Colin Johnson's on the shelf. Honestly, if I were them, I wouldn't bring Colin Johnson back this spring if you think he, you might yeah, get him back towards the end. Yeah, that's a waste. It's like Brandon no, Jones. Like, no reason, you know no reason to bring him back. Yeah. you got Devin Duvernay who – Grab your crotchal area, gentlemen who are listening to this. He has a stress reaction <laughs> in his pubic bone. Yeah, that's, yeah. man, that's I'm talking about injuries to the pubic bone. Yeah, bone. that's they, yeah. I just got a chill. Just got the chills. Um, and then John Birch running track this spring will yeah. not be with the football team. He'll be back in August. So right now, your two X receivers, your number one and number two X receivers, it's Malcolm Epps and Brew McCoy. It's crazy. You better pray the NCAA. Uh, let's do record be healthy. Very true. But and, and Tom, but I, know, Her- I know that I'm just saying. Right, like, Tom Herman yeah. made a great point because he was asked in the press conference on Monday after practice, "said Are you carrying on like Bruce going to be eligible?" And Tom Herman even said he was like, "That wouldn't have any bearing on spring practice anyway." So hell yeah, they're going to go balls to the wall and figure out what it's they can do. Basically, no doubt, he's, no doubt. until they tell you he's ineligible, so you just keep best. on going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the best. No, it's yeah. interesting. No, I think it's I think it's a blessing in disguise, much like uh, for the safeties. You're deep at wide receiver. Need those young guys to get the reps. So yeah. I'm all about it. All right, we're going to have plenty of spring practice to talk about all the way up through the spring game, and then I'm sure we'll talk about it this summer and. Uh, Football never leaves us. That's, you know, right, that's why we can do the blitz year round. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You are more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049-1019 AM1260, streaming on the Horn app at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B on the Rodcast each and every weekday from one to three. Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt, you can get this podcast anywhere you get your podcast, and you can find our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.